Good morning, friends. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Cedar Mill Bible Church. And as I've thought about Easter this year, one word has really come to light for me. And it's a simple word. It's the word need. Need. Webster defines need in this way. Something required because it's essential for well-being. Something that's required because it is essential for well-being. And so our question today is, what do we need? What, what does the human heart need? What does your life and the world around us ultimately and truly need? Because it's been a year, hasn't it? It's been a tough year. It's been a year of loss, a year of struggle. It's been a year of isolation and uncertainty and doubt and depression. We've seen this on a societal level as we've watched the polarization of our nation politically. As we've, we've experienced the division between us racially. We look around the globe and we realize that even with the best of human thinking, even with the best efforts of the smartest people in the most powerful governments, poverty is still prevalent. We know that corruption is still commonplace. Sickness, disease, abuse, and violence still plague the human race at every turn. And then we take this reality down to a personal level. Most of us, if you're like me, we have really good intentions of, of living the kind of lives that we want to live. We know the kind of people that we want to be. We understand the kind of friendships we desire, the kind of marriage we'd like to have, the kind of impact that, that I want to have in the world. I know what that looks like. In my mind, it's very clear. And yet, far too often, I fall short. And so our question today is, what do we really need when the chips are down and this world just gets too big and too bad for us to handle? What's the strength that can really get us through? Because honestly, I think we're well beyond uh, empty positive thinking and optimism. To simply come to church for just a nice message that will temporarily lift our spirits, that does not cut it. Even religion, friends, has, has proven to fall woefully short when it comes to this problem. What does the human heart, what does humanity in this world need? We need something more. We need something substantial. We need something eternal. We need something that will tether our hearts to hope, a hope that does not come and go with each passing news cycle. And that's why today, that's why Easter Sunday is so important. It's important because it offers us a hope that is essential for the eternal well-being of every human soul. Today, friends, we're going to read about the God of the universe defeating the forces that want to tear you and me and all of the world around us down. Today, we're looking at the story of the resurrection. And to do it, we're going to open to the Gospel of Luke chapter 24. If you have a Bible, grab it, turn to Luke 24. And as you turn, let me give you a quick recap. Jesus... A Jewish rabbi from Galilee, he's become quite popular. For the last several years, he's been traveling around the country performing miracles. Things like healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, making the lame walk. He's also been teaching, teaching in their places of worship, teaching and talking to people out on the streets. And what he's been telling them is this, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is close. The kingdom of God is coming. One day, Jesus says, and one day very soon, things are going to be the way God longs for them to be in this world. 
Evil, oppression, injustice are going to be overwhelmed and destroyed by God once and for all by his love and grace and power in this very place where we live. And what's crazy about Jesus is that he shares this message with all sorts of different people. People you wouldn't expect, not just the ultra-religious people, not just the people who everyone liked and accepted. Jesus shares this message with the outcasts, with the rejected, the marginalized. The other day I was disc golfing up in North Portland. I love to disc golf. If you've been around here for a while, you know that's one of my favorite pastimes. And one of the things I love about disc golf is that you often get paired up with different people. It's not like ball golf where you sign up ahead of time. You just show up and then if there's people there, sometimes you just join in and you play around together. The other day, I'm disc golfing up at Pier Park and I get paired up um, with this guy. And a few holes in, he discovers I'm a pastor and so he starts of course, to ask me all sorts of questions. And he asked me a lot of different things, but one of the things he asked was, why have you pinned your hopes to Jesus? I mean, with all the options and possibilities out there, why would you determine that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life? And we had a long, wonderful conversation. But one of the things I told him was this. When I read about Jesus... When I read about who Jesus was and the life that he lived, I can't help but think this. I can't help but think if God was going to show up in human history, this is exactly who he would be. Kind, loving, compassionate, wise, challenging, honest, someone who treated princes and paupers, and leaders, and lowlifes, exactly the same. Someone who accepted people right where they were, and then empowered them to become who they should be. And people were drawn to him. People were drawn to Jesus. They were were captivated by him. In fact, when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem for this huge national celebration of freedom called Passover, the people rallied, they cheered, they worshipped him. And there was this buzz in the air that maybe, just maybe, maybe Jesus was going to be the people's next earthly king. But then the story takes a tragic turn. Jesus is betrayed. The rulers of the city, the authorities in Jerusalem, they have him arrested, falsely accused. And in a a moment that no one expected, he is mocked and beaten and tortured and publicly executed on a Roman cross. His dead body is then placed in a tomb. And the man that many hoped might be the Messiah is now thought to be just another dead martyr. All the hopes, all the dreams, all the cries for glory are gone. And this is where we pick up the story today. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Friends, right away when we get to the story of Easter, we find out that this is a story not set outside of human suffering and difficulty, but one that's set right in the very middle of it. Luke tells us that these women take spices to the tomb of Jesus. Why would they take spices to the tomb? They bring them because spices were used to embalm a dead body. These women believe that Jesus is dead. 
They don't come on Easter Sunday morning like you and I wondering or knowing, hey, maybe the tomb is empty, perhaps he rose, perhaps death has been defeated. Fingers crossed, ladies. That's not their posture. That's not the way they came. They know that Jesus is dead because they were there. If you back up in the story, you'll find out that they stood and watched him die. They saw him hanging on that cross. They watched the soldier bury his spear deep into Jesus' heart. These women come to the tomb heartbroken, devastated, disoriented. Their teacher and their leader, their master and Lord, has been ripped away from them in a way that they never could have imagined. Friends, we must understand this. Human suffering and grief surrounds these women on the deepest level. And I point this out today because maybe you're here, maybe you're listening, and life has not gone that well. Things are hard, things are difficult, maybe things are not the way they should be in your world. And there's this temptation, I think there's this temptation for us to think that, that maybe because my life's a mess, the Easter story is not for me. But the message of the scripture says otherwise. The message of the scripture says it's exactly for you. The message of Easter is exactly for you. If you feel lonely, if you feel insecure, if you feel heartbroken, if you feel lost, if you feel unstable, if you've suddenly realized that there is an emptiness to just living for what this world has to offer, the story of Jesus and the story of Easter is for you. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Friends, know this to be true. Still, at this point of the story, even now, even with the body gone, the thought that Jesus might, maybe, could possibly be alive is not even on their radar. It's not what's going through their minds. Instead, they're thinking thoughts like this. Who has taken him? Who has stolen the body of our Lord and our Master and our Beloved? Wasn't it enough that they tortured him and humiliated him? Wasn't it enough that they mocked him and crucified him? Who has him and why have they taken him? You see, for these ladies, the story of Easter actually gets worse before it gets better. The next phrase at the beginning of verse 4 says, while they were wondering about this, while they were wondering about this fa the fact that Jesus' body isn't there, and that word wondering is, is not a great translation. It actually means, technically in Greek, to not know which way to turn. These women do not know which way to turn. They're out of ideas. They're out of options. They don't have solutions. They don't know what to do from here. Friends, have you ever been in that place? Have you ever been in a place where life is off the rails and you have no idea how to fix it? Have you ever been in a place where you feel like maybe you have a handle on things and then all of a sudden things don't get better, they get worse. And then once they're worse, they continue to get worse and down and down and down they go. And you're saying to yourself, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to turn. You ever been there? These women have been there. It's where they are. While they stood there, not knowing which way to turn, middle of verse 4, 
Suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. Okay, now this is the place where this story starts to shift. This is where the plot thickens. This is when the unexpected element of the Easter story begins to emerge. This is the point when we, the readers, when these women begin to get the idea that right in the midst of their struggle, right in the middle of their despair, God might just be at work doing something they never dreamed of or imagined. And I want you to notice something here. I want you to notice something we're told. That the women bow down. Two guys show up who are obviously not of this world. The Gospel of John tells us that these guys are angels. But the women, what do they do? They turn and they bow. They get down on their hands and knees and put their faces to the ground. And friends, here's what's happening. Their focus is shifting. The focus of these women is shifting from their circumstances towards God's message. They are no longer focused on their problems, but on what God will promise. Friends, hear me when I say this. Easter reminds us that we will begin to encounter the hope we need in this world when we shift our attention from what we are facing to what he might be doing. From what we are facing to what he might be doing. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. You see, friends, now we're told this. This is a story about a God that always does what he says he will do. This is a story about a God who keeps his promises, even when his promises are beyond our ability to comprehend. Then they remembered his words. That's verse 8. Then they remembered his words. They were focusing on what they could see, on what they perceived, but now they're back to focusing on what he said, on his promises. And listen again to what the angel says. This is verse 7. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Underline that word must, because it's so important. Friends, what the angel is saying, what he's telling these women is this. This was not an accident. This was not God came to earth and things were actually a bit more unruly than he anticipated, and then it all went haywire. No, no. The angel is reminding these women, the angel is reminding you and me that this was God's plan all along, that he's always been in control, that Jesus came not just to to share pithy statements and give good advice, not just to do some cool miracles so the crowds would say, ooh, ah, no, no. Jesus came for this purpose. Jesus came to go into that grave and take on death and defeat our greatest enemy. Friends, the message of the Bible is that if you accept Jesus' offer to be your Lord, he doesn't just walk into some grave. He walks into your grave. He's not just working on the problems of the world. He comes to work on the problems of your life. 
And friends, that's the hope I believe our world needs. A hope that says no matter what happens, no matter how hard or difficult or despairing things get, our God is at work and he will ultimately win because there's not a force in the universe that can ever defeat him. The Apostle Paul talks about this reality, the reality of the resurrection in Romans chapter 8. He says, If you have made Jesus, who went to the grave and defeated death, the Lord of your life, then what in this world can really tear you down? And then he lists all these things that people might be tempted to think could potentially overcome the resurrection power of Jesus in this world and in their life. He says, what can separate you from the love of God? What can bring you down? What can defeat you in this world? Life, death, trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, angels, demons, any powers, stuff in the present, stuff in the future, height, depth, anything in all creation. I think that covers it. Friends, in other words, Paul is saying, This world may throw a lot of stuff at you. This this life may get really, really challenging at times. You may look around the world and think, things are getting worse. They're going downhill. And then death is just looming there, looming at the end for every single one of us. But the scriptures say this, If the resurrected Jesus is your Lord, if you put your faith and trust in him, there is nothing in this entire universe that can keep you out of of God's eternal plan for your life. That's the confidence that we long for. That's the hope that this world really needs. And friends, if you are here today and you're ready to put your faith and trust in, in Jesus, if you want to say his death and his resurrection are for me, the Bible says we're supposed to receive that. We're supposed to receive God as Savior and Lord. We just say, Father, I need you. I receive you. I bring you in. And then the Bible says we declare it. We, we, we shout it and proclaim it to the world. And we do that, friends, through this thing called baptism. It's when a person is is dunked in water, symbolizing their trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for themselves. And we're going to give people the chance to do that today. We're going to give people the chance to make a public declaration that Jesus is their Lord and Savior and that they trust his death and resurrection for themselves. I want to give you the chance to do that. Now, I know you're, you're watching and you're, think, you're thinking, how are we going to do that online? How are we going to do that through the television? Am I supposed to go in and start filling up my bathtub right now? No, don't do that. Here's how it's going to work. If you're watching this on Easter Sunday morning and you are feeling the call to declare Jesus as Lord and Savior and to get baptized and to make that public declaration of faith, today at 1 o'clock, at 1 o'clock right up here, on the Cedar Mill Bible Church campus, we're going to have an outdoor drive-in service in the West parking lot, and we are inviting you to come. Come a little early. Come at 12.30. Bring your swimsuit. Bring a towel. Come find one of the pastors. We would love to baptize you and help you declare Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. It's a wonderful thing to do, to declare Jesus as Lord. It's the thing that we need. It's the hope that our hearts long for. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, do not miss the chance to be baptized today. 
I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray for those of you who might want to receive Christ as Lord. And for those of you who have trusted Christ as Lord, maybe today's the day to just trust him again, to just reinstate that commitment. God, you are Lord. You are Savior. You are really and truly the thing that my heart and this world needs. And then if God, long, if God is asking you to be baptized, you come today at one, and we'll look forward to seeing you. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this message. I pray, Lord, that this message that we've heard before many of us, that you went into the grave and defeated death on our behalf, that it would not just seem standard or routine, Lord, but we would understand the enormity of it, the power of it, the life-changing reality that it represents. Thank you, Father, that you came to earth, that you took on our sin and our suffering all the way into the grave, Lord, and that you came out victorious. I pray right now, Lord, if there's anyone who needs to receive you, who needs the hope of your resurrection in their life, that they would just pray a simple prayer with me. God, I'm a sinner. I I can't save myself, and I've looked all around in this world for a hope that will sustain me and hold me up and get me through, and yet everything seems to fail, but God, you don't fail, and I trust you. I trust your son. I trust his death and resurrection. I receive him as the Lord of my life. And Father, I pray that if anybody prayed that prayer right now, that your Holy Spirit would just uh, affirm and confirm the hope that you offer in their soul. That's our prayer, God, and we pray it together today. Thank you, God, for your son, for his victory, and that you've offered it to us in him. Amen. Amen.